All right, welcome everybody. Uh, Stuart from Crown Council, grateful to have you here. Um, I've got Chris Hammond with me. Uh, he agreed to join us for this little mastermind call. Uh, hopefully you know Chris. I, I've known Chris since what, 1996, Chris, we've, uh, we've known each other, which um, seems forever, but Chris has been a huge part of Crown Council since the very beginning. And, uh, and what I mean by that is there's a lot of ways to participate with Crown Council. One of them is his father, Roy, planned and organized uh, the Crown Council's humanitarian trips. So Roy was kind of the leader of that. And Chris has been on probably, what, one every year, Chris, with the Crown Council teams? Um, yeah, if you add up Crown Council plus my family's trips, I bet we've been, I've probably been 30 times. Yeah, so it's a huge part of his office culture and his family culture to go on humanitarian trips, which is uh, so awesome. Chris is in the Dental Hall of Fame for um, Smiles for Life Dental Hall of Fame, um, which is every time you eclipse a $100,000 mark for Smiles for Life giving in your office, uh, you're kind of progressed into this Hall of Fame for Smiles for Life. So every year his team does $10,000 plus for Smiles for Life, um, which is just the best. Uh, Chris won the Young Dentist of the Year Award, the first one ever that we that we gave away. And it, it was the easiest one to win, by the way. <laughs> the first he, one. He was the only he was the only submission. <laughs> I don't but, think if that's uh, true, but the the coolest part about my relationship with Chris is he's my dentist. So uh, I go to Chris. I drive to Provo, uh, forty five minutes away, to visit with him and. Uh, be with his team and it is absolutely the, the best experience that I want everyone on here to model their practice after. The experience that you have at Chris's office is absolutely the best customer service. I mean, the I am still friends with a hygienist of his that used to be my hygienist like years ago. She doesn't even work for you anymore. Uh, and so it's just, it's uh, an amazing place. I hope that you can learn from Chris about how he's created this culture and and kind of the life that he has. So. Uh, I'll turn it over to you, Chris. We'll do questions at the end if you guys have them. Uh, you can type them in the chat or we'll just open up. Uh, you can just talk to Chris at the end. Um, but uh, we'll just do that. I, I think that the thing that I thought about most when you were introducing me, Steve, or Greg Stewart, sorry, I'll go through all the Andersons, <laughs> is um, I think the main thing that I'm going to, you, you guys will find that I'll talk about the most right now is you don't necessarily have to copy everything that I've done. I think it's nice to see where I've been and what I've, what I've done and where I'm at now, but you guys need to be coming up with your own dream and your own uh, path too. And that's kind of what this hour is about is giving you guys maybe inspiration on, on creating your own dream and then following that path over the next 20 years, which I think is super important. Nice. So Stu, are you going to leave you unmuted or how's that going to work? Are you going to uh, mute everybody except for me and you? And then you can let me know if people have questions or want to interrupt. That's right. Uh, and, and if everybody has, there's a little chat button on the bottom that you can type a question or you can unmute yourself and ask the question when it comes time. Or even if you want Chris to elaborate something that he's talking about right now. Yeah, let's do it. Let's are do we, it. Um, how many people are on the call? Just so we know, maybe we can unmute everybody if there's depending upon the numbers. There's 17 on right now, Chris. Okay, so you, you decide. Yeah, I'll keep them muted, and then in the chat box, just type if you want to say something, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, you can unmute yourself and, and just say, it's not a big deal. Chris, do you have, uh, can you share your screen? Are you good to do that now? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to, uh, I'm going to get rid of everybody's pictures. 
Yeah, you can share my screen. I'm up. Okay, you got to do it. You got to push that green button at the bottom. Oh, I do? <laughs> I don't see the green button. It's down on the bottom. It says share screen. Um, yeah. Hold on. I might have just messed this up. It doesn't say share screen at the bottom. It says I'm the host. Yep. Now you can share your screen. Now it's giving me, um, hold on a minute. Okay. Now it's giving me subtitles at the bottom or it's, it's yeah. quoting me. That's cool. It's an added. How do I finish that? <laughs> it's an added feature. So there should be a little green box down at the bottom that says share screen. If you push okay, that. Hold on a second. If you push that little uh, green box, it should pop up. I don't see it. Hold on there. We're working on it. You're good. Like right, it should be right underneath your picture, Chris. There should be like a, a toolbar down there on the bottom that says participants, share screen, chat. Do you see those? Okay, hold on. Yeah, I've got my I've got my um yeah, I'm not seeing it for some reason. Okay. I don't see a green button. Hold on a minute. Well, it's good. We're just keep we keep adding participants, so it's fine. I got it. They're all getting on. I had to open up the Zoom app. The Zoom app. <laughs> Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Am I sharing? We got it. We see your screen. Okay, there we go. Nice man. So sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> so um, I can't see anybody's uh, faces anymore. So you just let me know, Stu, if we need to stop and answer a question or, okay. or address anything. And I'm happy to, uh, if anybody wants to speak up and unmute themselves, it doesn't bother me at all. Okay. I think um, just to introduce myself a little bit, you guys, if you weren't on the call, the reason why I love doing this the most, and I've done this probably half a, half a dozen times um, in the summer at Roseman when David's there doing the, kind of his live patient over the shoulder course with you guys. Um, it's because I've been where you guys are, right? 22 years ago, I was just out of dental school. I graduated in 96 and I uh, joined the Crown Council. I went and listened to Steve back then. Um, it was boot camp and now it's total patient immersion. And I, I have loved my entire journey from day one when I first started um, learning and trying to learn as much as I could and taking boot camp from Steve and Walter and joining Crown Council. I loved practicing as much in 1996, 97, and 98 as I do in, in 2020 and as I will in 2021 and 2022. So my message during the next however long we decide to talk is about that. You guys should be enjoying the journey and not feeling like you have to be immediately somewhere else that you're not right now. And there's a lot of fun in developing your own dream and your own vision and your own practice goals and writing down what you want to be and finding a way to get there. There's just as much fun in doing that as there is um, actually arriving at that, at that place you want to be. And that's something that Allie and I, my wife are still working on. We still have goals. We still know where we want to be in 10 years, but we always joke about the fact that, even dental school or even the first year of practice was just as much fun as, as we are now. So that's what this is about. You guys that have heard me speak on this topic kind of know that. 
Um, I'm going to share with you some of the things that we've done to develop a vision and some of the unique things we do in my practice um, that have executed my vision to develop the kind of experience that Stuart talked about. But um, stop me anytime and we can talk a little bit about anything really along the way. Um, those of you that know me know I'm a Harley guy. And that we, uh, up until last year, my family and I did the Harley trips with, with the Crown Council, and that's one of our passions. You know I'm from Utah, and so riding in Utah is one of my passions. I love that. This is a group of Crown Council doctors actually in southern Utah, headed um, away from the Colorado border and back towards Lake Powell, which was it's an awesome ride that we used to do. We don't do those rides anymore, but there are plenty of opportunities to do things like this with Crown Council, which fly fishing is one of them. I know Jared Tyre has a fun fly fishing trip um, coming up. If you can capture some of those experiences with Crown Council, you'll find that you, you grow and you, uh, you learn from the best and can find mentors that way. We're gonna talk a little bit about mentors. So uh, just a little bit about me, just so you know where I come from, not really to talk about any accomplishments of, uh, that I've, that I've done or I've, any, anything I've accomplished, but more or less so you know that I've been in your shoes. Um, I went to BYU, I graduated in 1992, went to Oregon Health Sciences University for dental school, graduated in 96. And then I started taking cosmetic courses early on in my career. I took David Hornbrook's original program in 1998 at University Pacific where we used to travel to do courses back then. And I took those courses over the course of four years. So some of you I know have a goal to take, or maybe you have already taken our live patient program. Um, if you haven't, if you're not aware of it, you should find out about it. It happens twice a year. Um, we're not doing it this spring, but we're doing it in the fall. So you should be ready to uh, learn about that and contact Utah Valley Dental Lab to find out about those courses. And that's where, and you learn about that, I guess, this summer, that's where you'll actually bring a patient to Roseman Dental School and you'll do the dental work. You'll prep teeth and seat veneers with uh, other doctors like myself and Dr. McCray and other Crown Council members, Dr. Cooper, that will oversee your work and kind of mentor you through the process. So that is one thing that you should be doing for sure and have on your, on your goal list of things to do. And we can talk more about that. After I took the program, I started working for Dr. Hornbrook in 2002, and I worked for him for six years. Back then, believe it or not, we used to travel to a different dental school every other weekend to put these courses on. So for six years, twice a month, I was at a different dental school at a different clinic, helping mentor doctors, new doctors like yourself, learn the art of smile design. And so now the benefit of coming to Roseman is that's our home base, and we're not somewhere new all the time. So we have this figured out. You just get to fly in and, and do it where we do it every weekend here at, in Salt Lake. Um, I worked for another company for three years called Aesthetic Masters that was in Las Vegas. And then I came back to join Dr. Hornbrook and Dr. Mark Montgomery in 2017. And I think what we're doing right now is probably the best um, of all those programs. It is dialed in the best that it ever has been. So you guys have a good opportunity to participate in that if you haven't. So when you're here this summer in Salt Lake, you'll get a feel for what that experience is like, and then also um, what, it would, what it might be like for you to bring a patient from your practice or from your family or a spouse or a parent to Roseman and, and go ahead and do the work while, while we are there with you to teach you about it. 
I'm a Crown Council member for 22 years. It's one of my greatest accomplishments, I think. Um, I sent a text to Stuart Anderson or Stuart the other day. Um, and I, basically, I think, Stu, I just said, Crown Council was made for 2020. I mean, for all of us to gather together and share ideas and help each other through the next however long this is gonna take for us to get through it. That's what this group is all about, is helping each other individually with issues and now as a group. So I think it's awesome. Um, I was a young dentist recipient in 1998. My team still, I wish I was still young. Now I'm the old dentist um, from all that, but uh, I, I used to teach uh, dental photography was one of my, uh, one of the courses I used to teach for David, I taught a dental photography course. And when I first started giving this lecture, David said, I want you to teach him about photography, the young dentist. Well, I did that for a while. And then I changed it feeling like that I could talk about um, a, the bigger picture and how to get from point A to point B, at least how I did. So that's what this next series of slides is about. And, and that's what I think I'm here to talk about is how you guys can go from where you are now to kind of your dream job and to follow the path that you, that you want to follow. Um, my advice, that's kind of what this, uh, what this is about is I, I want you guys to focus on five things tonight. Um, you can write those down and we can revisit them as often as you want, but basically we're going to find about find, we're going to talk about finding mentors, picking people in your life and in dentistry that you can follow um, and, uh, and copy. One of my favorite quotes that we'll talk about in a little bit from Crown Council way back in 1998 is it's way easier to copy genius and create mediocrity. You guys have heard us talk about that. And I think that's probably something that you should, I mean, adopt right now. Um, there's lots of us that have made mistakes and been places that you don't want to go. And if you can um, cling on to people and follow them and you're much uh, more likely to go places and, and get places that you want to go. I think you should learn photography. We're gonna talk about that. I'll give you some tips for photography. I think you should take time to do stuff. I'll leave that one right there. We'll come back and talk about it. I love the concept of playing to win. And I think in the end, when you guys get in your own practice, if you're not there now, um, if your dream is to be in private practice, that you should treat your team like owners of that business and involve them in the details of your practice to help create longtime employees that love working for you and will be with you for a long time to help you execute your goal and practice and where you want to go. So let's talk a little bit about mentors. I know someone asked me that question, so maybe we can even address that or you can speak up and unmute yourself and we can, we can talk about that. But I always joke and I think when I talk to you guys um, in Nashville in February or the end of January at the annual event, I, I joked about the fact that I, I don't believe you should be a CE junkie in your dental career. You should find mentors that have done the CE. I think you should still take a lot of CE, but I meet a lot of people that have taken so many hours of CE. They brag about the hundreds of hours they do every year, and yet they never put any of that into action. And so one of the things that we've done in my practice is we found a way to set goals to find new ideas, but we take time to actually execute those ideas. So I want you to pay attention to some of the things that we've done too. I think there's, there's such thing as having too much knowledge and too many things on your mind and not enough time to actually put things into action, which is really how you're gonna get to where you wanna be. 
So I've picked my mentors over time and it happens slowly, but um, essentially you guys might be able to guess that my father certainly is my, my primary mentor. I worked for him for six years. He developed originally what's called a front deskless practice. That is a system, the way we operate in my office without a front desk at all. Um, and I have time to talk about that tonight. And I've copied so many things that he's done and I think avoided making a lot of practice management mistakes because I've, I've embraced my dad as my practice mentor and of course also a life mentor for me. David Hornbrook has been my mentor for a very long time um, since I first met him actually at my second annual event, which is interesting, in San Diego, the year I won Young Dentist of the Year in 1998. I met David Hornbrook at um, a Thursday night cocktail hour kind of for qualified members. And that's where we first met and we've developed relationships um, for a, a long time. So be aware that the people that you guys are meeting at the annual event and at Young, the Young Dentist Weekend and at all these programs that you guys are being involved in now, that's where you're gonna look to find your mentors. And it may be someone that is in the same stage of life that you are. It may be someone that's been out of dental school the exact same amount of time that you have. So don't automatically assume that your mentors and the people that you're gonna link up with have been in practice for 20 years. They may be right next to you and have a ton of really good ideas and you guys can help elevate each other. Um, I've stuck to Steve Anderson and I followed him forever. I take all the TOPS courses. I'm a TOPS practice. Um, I have one of these things about being a CE junkie is I think, and avoiding it, I think you can follow too many different paths of CE. You can be, you can follow um, too many lines of thought, whether it's occlusion or restorative dentistry or cosmetic dentistry. There's so many ways to do things. I think it's important that you just pick someone and pick a path and you focus on that rather than filling yourself with lots of different concepts and different theories to do things. So that's what I did. I'm following David Hornbrook for his cosmetic philosophies and now I have the chance to work with him and teach with him. I follow practice management philosophies and concepts from Steve and Tops. I love Crown Council and Greg Anderson. He's been like a father to me. And I'm also a big fan of Tommy Neighbors. So if you're not already involved in his No More Hygiene program, that is the other channel of CE that I have focused on. Besides that, I just read a lot and I, I watch a lot of webinars, and, but I, I try not to overburden myself with a lot of learning for fear that I might not have a chance to actually put stuff into action. Um, any questions? We, we will come back to questions, but maybe we can see if anybody has a question about that now. I know there was a question about mentors, and I, maybe I'll try and find that on my, was that the question I sent you, Stu? Was it a question about mentors? I'm gonna try and bring it up. Uh, the 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 text capture that you sent me this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I'm gonna go back and see if I can pull it up and bring it up. No, it wasn't. But there was an email um, later. I think it was from Dan. That I'll bring that up and we can talk about mentors a little bit. So. Yeah, the one I've got is from Casey. Okay. Um, I. Photography, let's talk about that. I think besides clinical dentistry, the next thing you should learn is high quality dental photography. And I've made it a habit to, um, over time, build a library of work that I've done, both portrait photography and close-up photography, where I've gone from showing other people's stuff to showing my own. And if you guys will, 
will follow that pattern. That's one, one key thing that and some of you have, have asked me in your questions, what would you do and what are your, what are your key suggestions to develop a cosmetic practice? If your goal is to be a cosmetic dentist, I think besides the clinical skills to do cosmetic dentistry, I think photography is probably going to be next because you want to be able to show patients your own work and they're going to ask you when you show before and after pictures, if it's your own work, you want to be able to answer yes. And I think the best way to do it is to quality photography. And if your photography is high quality, they're going to assume that your dentistry is high quality also. So you want to be able to show even close up photos like this. It can showcase the work that you do. And this is a sample of stuff that we've shown on Instagram and that we've had different places. Um, some of these pictures are actually from our original photography course. But if you can take close-up photography like this, it's actually fairly simple to do with the right equipment. And I'm going to send you my cheat sheet actually on camera settings. Um, Stuart, if you remember, I'll send it to you and you can blast it out to the group. Okay. It will give you guys my setup and my camera setup for the camera that I use all of my settings and everything, which can at least help get you started. And then I think you should um, find out, I don't teach photography anymore, but you can find places to learn photography online these days, fortunately, and through YouTube. And I think that should be a key skill that you guys should learn as quick as you can. Photography is, an, is easy. Um, this is the camera that I use in my office right now. And I think it's, a, it's the way that you, you showcase your work. And of course, you're going to want to publish it on Instagram and places like that on your website and in your office. And we'll talk about how I've done that in all those places. So if you want to get my cheat, cheat sheet directly, or if you want to ask me questions after this is over directly, you can use my email address there. It's kind of easy to remember, drchrishanmond at gmail.com. And I will send you my camera cheat sheet. I've got that ready to go. I take a lot of portrait photography in my office. So everything that I've used, once I learned photography and I played around with it, I set up a portrait studio in my office. And this is my portrait studio that I use um, every day to shoot my own full portraits that we use in marketing. So we've gone away from hanging up pictures that weren't ours in my office to hanging up pictures that are my own cases. So this is an example of portraits that we shoot with a very simple system uh, in my office and my assistants shoot my own uh, portraits also. We're in the process of teaching them to shoot these uh, uh, photographs so that you can use them in your own marketing, Instagram, Facebook, or whatever, and on your wall. And these, some of these pictures, wow, they date back a long time. I haven't used some of these in a while, but all of these were shot by me right in my office with a very simple system. These portraits are hanging in my consultation room. Um, we rotate them through once in a while. This is another picture of my office. And you can see how we display some of these portraits in different places. And in fact, when I'm talking with patients about smile design, we'll tour through the office and visit some of these photos all the time and talk about the characteristics of a smile and the things we did for that particular patient to get their smile um, to look like it does. So we'll do a little tour and look at our different photos. Here's an example of one of our ops using our same pictures again. Another one. Um, and we've, we've used some of our portraits in these display boxes like that. So we rotate pictures through there all the time and change them out. This is kind of a view of the hallway of my office. Stuart, you recognize that probably. Um, and then we've gone ahead and, and used some of our photos and marketing materials. We talked for just a brief moment about that. These are all photos that I, I shot a while ago. Um, 
but I wanted to show you how we use those on chapstick labels. So the chapstick that leaves my office has my own images on it. Um, Instagram is huge right now. A lot of you guys follow me on Instagram. And uh, I believe that, let me tell you what we've done with Instagram in my office besides using it uh, the way we might typically use it to post cases and to reach people that haven't been to our office. And we are using virtual consult right now to, to help create new patients. But I, I abandoned using before and after pictures, um, excuse me, before and after books quite a while ago. And all of my before and after pictures, my entire library now that I use to show patients is all in Instagram. So let me tell you how we do that and why I'm passionate about that is, um, number one, it's a great place to store them. And number two, you're constantly feeding um, patients your own before and after pictures. It's like a constant stream of, it's better than a newsletter really, or better than a monthly newsletter. And if patients are in my office and if they want to, if they're asking questions or if they're there for a cosmetic consultation, we ask them to bring up Instagram on their phone um, and we show them before and after pictures on their own phone. And I talk about cases on their own phone. And one thing that um, my team always laughs about is the very first thing I do when, they, when uh, a patient brings up Instagram is I touch follow to be sure that they're going to follow me. So now I have somebody that's following me that has access to my entire before and after library and they are constantly going to be fed before and after pictures after they leave the office. So whether or not they make a decision on what they're going to do immediately, I know when they leave that they're a follower of mine. And so we look for new followers um, in our state and our community all the time that haven't been to our office, but we're, we're really passionate about being sure that our existing patient base is following us. So we get to constantly feed them, um, kind of shocked about life in our practice and also for and after pictures all the time. So these don't, that just doesn't work as well if you're not good at photography. So master the skill of photography and then you can take those photographs and videos and everything to your own library and use them however you want, whether it's in marketing stuff like water bottle labels. This is my old water bottle label. I'm on my own now, but this is the one we used uh, with my old partner and the chapstick labels and things like that, or, or we just use all of our own stuff. There's my family, we're a family of four. I don't know why I threw that in there, but maybe you guys should just know a little bit about me. Hey Chris. Um, yeah. Couple couple questions. Uh, Daniel, do you wanna ask your question first? Thanks, you wanna yeah, can, unmute yourself and ask it? Yeah, can Go you hear it. me pretty good? Yes, yeah. you asked me questions about mentors, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, no, you answered it pretty good. Thank you, Dr. Hammond, that was awesome. Yeah, um, my question about uh, the photography section, um, do you, how do you present um, the option to patients to use their photography um, nowadays, nowadays with everyone being on, you know, Instagram and stuff, is it pretty easy or do you find sometimes you have to like incentivize patients in a way or? Yeah, that, that, that's a really good question. So I know that, um, there are ways to incentivize, incentivize patients and Brian Harris has a method of doing that. I don't think he's doing it anymore because he's so busy doing it the way he does it. But um, I know that there are ways to incentivize patients. You can also offer them a modeling discount to use their photos and have them market for you through social media and you can offer them a discount on your services. So that's, that's one part of your question, I think, is what you asked. The other part that I think um, we should be clear of is the way I do it in my office with photography is when we are originally planning a case, 
and we decided to do a cosmetic case and we're filling out informed consents, we include a photography release at the beginning. So patients know, number one, that we're probably gonna use these photos. And number two, I think it sends a message that your smile is gonna be so good that we're gonna want to use the photos for either my lectures or for marketing or for Instagram. And so we do do that. We get their permission before we ever even start. So I may choose not to use them or I may choose to use them. And then as a courtesy down the road, when I get ready to post something, um, I usually will send uh, my patient a screen grab of my post and just let them know what I'm gonna post and say, this is going up, just a heads up, look how awesome everything looks. And I've never had anybody um, decline. The only thing that I've had someone decline was a full face photo. I did some work for uh, a woman that's a model in New York and she declined a full face photo, but she had no problem with me posting close up before and after, which is typically what I do anyway. Um, but but that's, you know, that's kind of how I handle that. Does that answer your question, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That was awesome. Yeah, that's the way you should do it. Address it up front just with your normal release forms. And I have a copy of my uh, photo release too. If you want to either request that by email or uh, Stu can send it out if I want to, you want me to do that. Yeah. That'd hey, be great. Dr. Thanks. Dr. McEnany, did, did that answer your question too? Let's see if she'll answer. She was yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the same question. So yeah, perfect. Thanks. Okay. So this next screen, I don't. I, I must have pulled my 2018 uh, slideshow out. So this is me in 2020. Um, it's I've I've added a, an associate actually in the last two months, so we can talk about that, and maybe that can be part of the question and answer period. Is I have a little experience of adding a new associate. They just got out of dental school uh, a year ago, but essentially I have nine team members now. Um, I employ three hygienists uh, full time three clinical assistants that are all there full-time and three business team members that are all there full-time. I don't do part-time now. I, I, I did off and on, but now my goal is to have a team that comes to work together and leaves together at the same time. And we have everybody there uh, full-time. There's a picture of my team uh, not too long ago. This is a little bit of an outdated picture, but that's, that's the front reception area of my office. And, um, there we are. There's my office right now. I occupy the second floor of this building, um, most of that floor. So we have, I have 11 ops. I don't use them all. Um, we have a couple of empty ones waiting for us as we expand, but that's my building in Provo, Utah, not far from BYU. This is my reception room. Um, remember I mentioned that we don't have a front desk. I've adopted from my dad a practice philosophy where we have completely eliminated the presence of a front desk or any visible desk in the reception room, totally. So uh, when you come to my office, you're greeted by someone in the reception room, one of my team members, and we don't, uh, we don't work with the desk at all. We do everything from start to finish in the operatory. Uh, and I have a chance to talk about that too. So I've been in practice for 20 years. Um, over the course of that 20 years, and it's happened slowly, remember. So remember I talked about enjoying the journey, and I know everyone wants to be um, who they want to be next year. And I think that's, that's awesome that you're driven like that, but also don't forget to slow down and enjoy each step along the way, each course you take, each skill you learn, each opportunity for learning, each um, stage of your, of your career, whether or not you're an associate right now, or, um, or you're just buying a practice, 
or you're not in a position that you want to be in, you're looking for the next one, enjoy each phase of life right now. I think that's super important and you won't look back with any regrets and you'll learn a lot from each stage that you're in. So over time, we've developed a cosmetic practice within our practice where about 75% of everything that I do right now is cosmetic. Um, 25% is restorative. I have an associate now that's picking up the restorative part of my practice. And then in addition with my hygiene team and with the help of Tommy Neighbors, we've developed a perio program within our practice that they're involved in heavily. And um, we're busy helping patients in our practice with periodontal disease that we know is there in most of our patients. We just need to learn to recognize it, to talk to them about it, and treat it in its early stages, which I think is key. So make that another goal of yours is to get to Tommy Neighbors course, the No More Hygiene course. That will change your life. And, and um, when you leave his program, you can, once again, do the same thing. Make a list of things you want to be and when and set it, uh, set it up in a, in a bunch of little goals. In no way was I ever where I wanted to be in any of these goals, even within a year of me starting. But over the course of time, you can develop it. Um, I work three days a week in my office, Monday through Wednesday. Essentially, I'm there. And I don't know why, why I'm showing you this other than you should know that it's, it's worthy for you and a good idea for you to set goals. I guess maybe I'll break away and talk about something I learned from my dad. Um, my dad had an interesting pattern of goal setting. He called it model building. And he used to reach out in his life out 20 years and write on one page who he wanted to be in 20 years. And he would take time to do that and he worked with my mom to do that and they would spend time either on vacation or somewhere, wherever they were, um, he used to always joke about this is what he did when he went to Hawaii is he would do what, what he called model building. And he would sit on a beach and write down who Roy Hammond wanted to be in 2020, or sorry, 20 years from now, um, whatever year that was. So for him, he probably started doing this in 1974. So he wrote down 1994, who is Roy Hammond? And then he used to work backwards and the next page still doing it at the same time, same vacation or same, same time in his life, he would do his 10-year vision and who Roy Hammond was going to be in 10 years. And then he would set that piece of paper aside and he would write, okay, who am I in five years? And then who am I next year? And then next month and next week. And he would set his goal out 20 years ahead and then work backwards. And the, the concept and the, the belief that you could get somewhere is way easier if you'll work backwards on your goal setting than it is if you get stuck trying to set goals the opposite way. So my dad called that model building. So in a sense, this is what I did. And so I went through at one point in my life and said, ideally in my life when my kids are a certain age, I want to be working three days a week and I want to have control over my Thursdays and Fridays. And so as I go through and talk about the things that I'm doing in practice, I, I think you can envision that and you can see how that's played out in my own life. But so now I'm working 142 days a year, about 11 to 12 days um, a month. We call our months periods because we don't, we're not um, bound to, to, to the calendar months, but um, I spend one to two full days a month in team development. So my team of nine women and myself and now my associate are together for at least one full day every month, not seeing patients, but only spending time working on our goals and the vision that I've created and the vision that they've helped me with to become the practice that we want uh, to be. So all that stuff that we wrote down at Crown Council, 
that's what we're currently working on on team days right now. And then we'll set new goals and things we want to do. And we take a step back and we spend a full day doing that as an office. So um, a lot of you are in associate positions right now and you can't do this, but remember that tip because when I go back and talk to you about not being a CE junkie and to take time to do stuff, this is what I mean. I mean, block out time in your life where you follow that 80-20 rule where 80% of your time can be used working in your practice and 20% of your time can be used working on your practice and learning and implementing new ideas. So that's kind of what I meant by taking time to do stuff. Um, recently, I've adopted something called flex days where I, I give my office knows that I myself have full control over two days um, a month. So I've designated two Thursdays in my life and in my practice where those are totally in my control. My office team cannot schedule anybody on those days. I'm the only one that can do it. And I may not choose to even work those days. So I may choose to either learn to um, be online learning or to see a patient or not see a patient or whatever. So my, my schedule a couple of years ago got so busy that I was booked out so many days in advance that it got super frustrating where I feel like I lost control of my life and I lost control of my time. So to solve that, I've given myself these flex days and I, the term flex, of course, is because I, I, I want flexibility and I use those days to do whatever I want, to come to the office without patience, to see the case, to prep a case, to go golfing with my son, to come to work late or to go home early. Those days are my own and I have complete control over those. And they're the days that I use to work kind of on my practice as an individual. So write that one down. I think that's a really good tip that I'm happy to share. And I think you should set a goal to do that. If you don't have control in your life or your practice, do it now. I think that's a good one. We talked a little bit about me working without a front desk. I do that and I, my practice philosophy is patterned after we were before the Apple stores, by the way, without a front desk. But when you guys walk into an Apple store, you know now that you only work with one person. They talk to you about their products. Um, they help you find the product that you want. You pay for it with that same salesperson and they hand it to you now. So think of that when you try and understand what it might be like to work in or to be in a front deskless office. My clinical dental assistants are the only person that my patients interact with when they come for a restorative appointment. They don't interact with anybody else. So payments, um, filing an insurance claim, scheduling, treatment planning, um, financial arrangements, chairside assisting, health history updates, answering questions, after, after hours follow-up, uh, pre-scheduling appointments, all of that is done by one person. So uh, I've just, I, I have a busy office that sees a lot of patients every day and I've created, tried to create an environment where that patient can be with one person and not feel like that they get shuffled off and they have a more private experience. So that's kind of where the front desk list term comes from. So that um, our patients in our office, when they leave the operatory, they actually walk straight to the front door. They don't go anywhere else. Dr. Hammond? So, yeah. Can I ask a quick question? Please do. So just to re reiterate with, so then your assistants are not just dental assistants. They also Correct. know how to do billing. Yeah, and all they this do stuff. it all. It's amazing. I do have a financial coordinator in my office that sends out statements 
and helps with more advanced arrangements like care credit applications and things like that. But um, typical payment arrangement arrangements or um, accepting credit card payments or all that kind of stuff is all handled by a, uh, a clinic by one person, by my dental assistant. That's awesome. So um, that's why I probably end up using one full day every month to train because there's lots to learn. Mm-hmm. But when you start getting into wanting to develop your team into career team members that want to stay there and feel like that they're becoming professionals in the world of dentistry, to open up the possibility of them to learn so many things from you know, even photography, but then all this other stuff is super valuable in keeping them around, which yeah. I think is a big deal. Awesome. Good question. Um, there's a glimpse of the water wall in my front office. That thing pumps, I don't know how many thousands of gallons an hour, but when you come to my office, you'll notice that I use that water wall for a few different reasons. I use that to drown out the sounds of a dental office. So if you do have to wait in my reception room, you get to listen to a water wall instead of the sounds that might be coming from the back office. There's a new patient room of mine. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that, my 80-20 rule. I threw that out there a little while ago, but I think you should take time to work on yourself and on your practice. And if you don't do this, you'll find yourself spinning wheels and not ever implementing the stuff you want to do. We all go to the same, um, the same shows and the same courses. Many of us go to, whether it's Chicago Dental Society, the AACD meeting, or the Young Dentist Seminar, or to Dr. Hornbrook's hands-on course. There's so many people that go there and take those same courses. And the mentors and, and, those, and uh, when we're at these courses and we see people graduate, at, in fact, at the graduation dinner last year, I was asked to speak a little bit. And I said what I believe is true, that I think in all these experiences, 80% of the people that leave our courses will go home and not be any different in real life. They won't take time to actually change. So I feel like part of your journey should be not just about trying to gulp down as much CE as you can and to be the junkie I talked about. It should be carving out time to actually do things different so that you can reach your goal that you set to be one month from now or one year from now. And if if one year from now you want to be a photographer and have taken Dr. Hornbrook's hands-on course, that's a worthy goal. And then be sure you carve out time to do it. And then when you go home, just like when you leave Crown Council, you should be carving out time to sit around individually and with your team. When you have your own team, you should be carving out time to actually put stuff in action. And you will be different if you do that. And you'll be hitting your five-year uh, model building goals and your 10-year goal and your 20-year goal. So that's what the 80-20 rule is. The 80-20 rule applies to so many things. I think it applies to CE. So take time to, to do stuff. Let's talk a little bit about my team day. So when you have a chance to execute these on your own and do them, that you, you know what we do in my office all the time. Um, and you kind of know what my goals are for those. So remember one day a month, at least one day a month, I get together with my team and we show up for morning huddle. And we don't, we don't have that day. The entire agenda is built around progression and being different and accomplishing our goals. So a lot of it's about organization. I have my team do a lot of these days and organize them now. They're doing them on their own. This, this, boy, this goes back 
15 years to a team day 15 years ago, probably. But that's kind of what part of the days might look like. We do some of these camping experiences like we joke about at Crown Council where we might do outdoor activities also um, and get time away from the office. We use those days to do that also. <clears throat> but I threw down some ideas so you kind of know and you can write down some things at least to get you started so when you can do it, you know what these days might look like for you. But we do uh, mini clinics where my team members or my hygienists might teach my entire office about uh, a clinical concept or something that they've learned. So. One thing, and that's bringing the CE back to the office and putting it into action. We invite specialists to our office and we talk to them about what we do. We like to turn the tables on our specialists a lot and, and visit them and market to them and also have them in to see what we do and, uh, and brainstorm and share ideas. So we do a lot of that. Clinical training, I can cruise through these kind of fast. Um, getting a return on my investment for Crown Council. So, I bring my entire team to Crown Council every year. Um, it would be no secret that it's about a $30,000 investment to do that. My team knows that when we come back from Crown Council, we're looking for a return on that investment so that our practice will grow. And they know that the way we get that is through the team days that, that we do each month. Um, I'm big about sharing practice finances with my team. The finances of my practice are no secret. My team knows my overhead. They know my rent, they know my lab bill, they know my phone bill. Um, they're very, uh, uh, they're, they know all that stuff. I'm not afraid to share it with them. I think it, um, if you remember at the beginning of, of my hour, I talked about treating your team like owners and that's part of my passion and part of what I do on a daily basis is be sure that my team knows what it's like and, and what, what's happening inside the business and they become invested that way really easy. I'm not afraid to open up um, collections, like, which Crown Council's philosophy is to share numbers with your office, but we do that and we talk about it all the time, including our, our overhead numbers and what it costs to run the business. I sit one-on-one um, -on -one with my team members all the time and we do like progress interviews that, that is on your qualified member um, checklist. So this is when I do that, when I sit down kind of knee to knee and eye to eye with my team members and connect with them and find out what their goals are and help develop them as, as dental quote unquote professionals. We visit our lab all the time. Um, we learn about uh, CAD CAM technology in the lab, about layering porcelain for veneers and they meet my waxer and my ceramist and they understand the process of, of the technology at the lab, which I think is a, is a big, um, it's a big deal with your, uh, your team and them conveying to your patients the quality of work that you do and what goes into, into all of that and building value in, in your fees and why you guys charge what you do for the, the treatment that you provide. We do field trips all the time. We visit specialist office. We, we write down things from other industries that we want to copy. We have fun activities that can do that. I'm trying to be sure I don't spend too much time. Um, and uh, we do uh, team dentistry. This is the time that I set aside to work on my uh, team members' teeth, to do their smiles, to do their in-office whitening, to replace the silver, to take care of their own now so that they uh, build value in what we do and they can talk about it to patients. We clean up the office all the time. We just last week did my office cleanup day where we show up and spend an entire day tearing the office apart and putting it back together like it's brand new again. And that's what, something that we do two times a year. 
Um, the question always comes up, what about paying your team? I pay my team their first full salary, their regular rate to be with me during all of these days and I have never regretted it. Um, I feel like that I would not, I, I wouldn't be able to practice without these days and this time with my team. Regular facelift projects, developing that photo studio, all the things that you've seen, um, perfecting our, our front deskless philosophy and how we deal with patients on that level, um, kind of role playing on the phones and things like that. One activity that I want you to take, take away from this, if you're gonna write a few bullet points down, it would be this idea of inventing your own competitor. And that's one of the most rewarding activities that we do every year with my team. We will get together and spend um, a designated amount of time, a significant amount of time, trying to invent a dental office, you can imagine, that if it moved in across the street from us, it would put us out of business. So what would that office look like, smell like, feel like? What would the dentistry be like? What technology would they have? How would they market? What would be their skills? What would the team be like? And how would the individuals function in the office? We go through and dream up all these things and we have crazy ideas like valet parking and things like that. And to be honest, that's where a lot of our ideas and the things that we've done that Stuart's talked about, that's where they come from. They come from this activity where we've tried to invent our own competitor, where if they moved across the street from us, that they would put us out of business. So write that one down and you will have a lot of fun training with your team and developing your own version of model building and setting, setting your own goals that you can put into action. Um, the title of this lecture is Great Habits, and this is why. This whole idea of inventing our own competitor has come from my, I, my idea that, um, of developing my in-office Great Habits book. So all the things that we do and our habits that we do every day that sometimes we, we take for granted, we've actually booked them in a book in my office that we call our Great Habits book. And this is one page of that. And I'm going to run through some of these great habits quickly so you can get a feel for the things that we have in there and where some of those ideas have come from. And then we will revisit this in my office during morning huddles on Wednesdays. We go through and revisit the habits and the things that we've written down that we're committed to doing to be sure that we don't follow that law of entropy and forget to do the things that we've decided that we wanted to do. So um, this is a long list of stuff, but I'm going to cruise through some. We learned from Ritz Carlton in my office when we went on a little field trip and, and uh, studied Ritz Carlton in our, in our practice on one of my team days, that they follow something called the 10 foot rule, where anytime anybody that works for Ritz Carlton passes somebody, a client or even another employee within 10 feet, they're supposed to acknowledge them somehow with some kind of a friendly gesture a hello, a wave, or a smile, or something like that. So that's just an example of one of the great habits that we've written down, is we follow the 10-foot rule. Anytime you're within 10, 10 feet of somebody in the office, we acknowledge them. Um, from Outback Steakhouse, we learned that if you speak to your patients knee-to-knee -knee and eye-to-eye, -eye, like if you've been to Outback Steakhouse, you know that it's a habit of their servers to get down on their knee and talk to you at eye level. We've adopted that and moved that as one of our great habits in our practice where we never stand and talk to patients when they're sitting down. We always get to their level when we're visiting with them. And even myself in a hygiene check, I always try 
and get on their level. And if I'm not sitting, I'm raising the chair up so that I'm not talking down to someone. It's just a good line of communication. I'm gonna cruise through some of these. We don't have time to talk about them all, but some of them are weird, but I promise you they're not weird in the context of my office. Like we use a silver platter when serving something or anything to my patient, whether it's pre-medication or a mouth rinse or um, triazolam or anything like that. We have these little silver platters that we deliver it on. We take our patient's coats, we take our patient's coats on and off. Just like if you're entering a fine hotel or someone else's home, we like to take our patient's coats from them and hang them up. Um, we take five at the beginning of every appointment. Well, that's its own lecture I could give there. We keep our patients with the same hygienist every time whenever possible. Um, we deliver flowers at our smile makeover post-op appointments. So after someone's done with the smile in my office, they get a bouquet of flowers like that. And we, um, just as a surprise and a gift, and that's kind of our marketing uh, gesture when we're all the way done. That's one of our great habits. Steve, how long do I, or Steve, Stuart, how long do I have? All night, bro, I ain't doing nothing. Just keep going. Cause I'll, I'll keep going. Yeah. I'm not ready to be done because these are so fun for me to talk about. But if you call me by the wrong name again, I'm just shutting the whole webinar. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> We offer all of our patients lip balm, a mint rinse, and a hot towel after every appointment. I showed you our lip balm and the artwork on our lip balm using my own, um, my own photography. We greet all of our patients at the door or even better yet, uh, we're famous for greeting people outside. When we see them pull in the parking lot, my team loves to go out and greet them in the parking lot. Um, we're sure that our office never smells like a dental office. And uh, I've got some tips for that. If you want to email me the new solution for at least how we manage smells in our office, we don't use candles and we don't use uh, wall plugins or anything. We've got an awesome way to do it that smells like Nordstrom. Um, the other thing I do is I dump a half a bottle of Breath RX in my water wall once a month and it works amazing. Um, Another one, we give TLC calls to all of our patients that have had anesthetic at nighttime. I don't make all those calls. My individual assistants, remember I told you we have, my assistant manages their own little restorative practice. Um, they make those calls and check on their patients. For the most part, on bigger cases, I make them myself and on sedation cases. We deep clean our treatment rooms once a week. I'll send this great habits list out to if you have a hard time writing all these down, I will send this exact list out to you in a, in, a, in a list form in case you want it. We clean our front porch at least three times a day. Who would have ever thought you would have to write something like that down? But I promise you, if you don't write it down, you won't do it. And it'll be, it'll follow that law of entropy where you think you're doing everything until someone asks you why you don't do that anymore. And you have no, no excuse. You have no reason except for you just stop doing it. So if you write it down and create your own great habits list, you'll keep doing all the cool stuff and you'll just be building this practice instead of staying in the, staying in the same place. We treat true emergencies on the same day they call. We make finance arrangements for everything over $250. We offer at least one VIP treatment uh, service at every appointment. Stuart, does that mean I have nine questions waiting that keeps popping up on my screen? I'll, I'll take care of your questions. Um, okay. They're I good. can stop. We can do questions. We no. wear our personal radios to communicate all the time. We all wear them. Um, 
We run a dead moved or coming back list every day. This has been solved by Dental Intel, so we don't run this exact list every day. But essentially our philosophy and our great habit is everybody who leaves our office has an appointment to come back. The only excuse would be if they're moving or they're gonna die or they're dead. Other than that, we have a goal to be sure that everyone has a return appointment when they leave. In my office, everybody comes to work together and they leave together. Um, we never leave patients alone without asking their permission. And if we do, it's just for a brief amount of time. We never point. So this is just, and I, I spotlight um, this one because I want, I want you to, to remember that you should be looking for some of your great habits outside the dental industry. We picked this one up. Um, at an annual event in Orlando when we were at Disney World and one of the uh, speakers worked at Disney World and they talked to us about their, uh, their own great habits and the fact that if someone, for instance, if someone asks where something is, whether it's a ride or a restroom or something, they're not allowed to point. They actually have to escort that person to that location and take them there. So we did the same thing with things like their operatory, and the practice through a comp exam. We offer umbrellas and walk people to the car when it's raining. Um, beginning at eight o'clock, this is another Disney one from the same annual event. Um, beginning at eight o'clock, we are on stage until the end of every day, at the end of the day, which basically to us means we don't bring our crap to work. When we leave morning huddle, I don't think I have my picture. I have a little, um, if you've seen Rudy and you know about Notre Dame football, you know, they tap the sign when they leave the locker room. I, I'm weird enough to have put my own sign in the room where we have morning huddle. And, and the sign basically says, you're on stage. And it's a little embossed sign that if patients saw it, they wouldn't really pay too much attention to it. But we all know that when we walk out of our morning huddle room, we tap the sign just like Notre Dame football does to commit to each other that we're on stage and we're not bringing our crap to work and we're gonna be the very best we can for eight hours for our patients. So this is just an example of the cool things you can pick up at the annual event and how lasting an annual event can be on your personal life and also your professional life if you'll just take time to do stuff and to write them down and to model build and set goals. There's my, there's my great habits list. Awesome. And there's so, even yeah. more to it than that. Some of these things are in there, but I will send that out. So um, I'm going to cruise through the rest of these team day ideas. We write notes to patients. We cross train for front desk lists. We work on our vision book, basically, which is goal setting for me. Um, we do our community activities, our smiles for life stuff. Um, one of the cool things we do is we make backpacks for foster kids in our community where um, if a child goes into foster care, they, they usually show up at foster care with nothing, maybe some few belongings that they scooped up really quick, quickly before they left. We build backpacks for those kids now, and it's a fun activity where we put a bunch of really cool necessities in there, and that's a fun activity that we've done. And we use these team days to do that stuff. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Um, when you say team days, you're talking about 
two full days a month where your team actually comes to work and they, they're not doing dentistry. Yep. That is all they're doing as a team. That's, that's true. And if I didn't make that clear, you should know that, that we, I could not practice without team days and I could not produce um, the numbers that we do in my office. Believe it or not, it seems counterintuitive, but if I were to make those team days, patient days, my production and collections would go down. There's no question in my mind. That's my method for following the 80-20 rule, for spending at least 20% of my time working on my practice and implementing ideas and uh, goal setting and goal accomplishment. Um, that's kind of my secret for doing it. So if you can't do two a month or even one a month, start with a chunk of time and do what you can. And if you're, if you're an associate right now uh, and the, where you're working is not, is not going to embrace that right away, do it yourself as an individual and set away, set aside that time where you know it's just like going to work, where you show up a certain time and you leave at a certain time and your entire commitment is to, is to uh, do the stuff that you wrote down at whatever course or whatever you did or after whatever article. and what courses they've been to. This goes back to the CE junkie thing. That's not the difference. The difference is who will actually take a step back and put it to action and take time to do it. And that is, that is huge, I think. So real quickly, and then we can get to questions to treat your team like owners. I'm weird about this stuff. Some things you guys might not choose to do, um, but uh, I think you should be looking for opportunities to empower your team and make them feel like they have a stake in the business. And even though they might not be a true owner, they should be made to feel like it. So we mastermind and network with other teams. I give my team what's called a $500 marker, where they have the ability as a quote unquote owner or team member in my practice to adjust or make a $500 decision, adjust anyone's account up to $500 or make any $500 decision without asking me, they can make those decisions. And I've empowered them to do that and not worry about having to ask me about nickel and dime decisions all the time, even up to $500. They always tell me what they did. And if I, I, don't, if I don't agree with it, I never, I never chastise them. I just explain to them how I want them to do it next time. But there's lots of times that come up, for instance, if you do an extra surface on a filling and the, there was a misunderstanding and the patient's confused and they're upset that you're gonna charge them another $200 for another surface, my team members have the, the comfort and the, the freedom to adjust an account without even having to go check. I mean, what you, what you don't want them to do is say, I don't know, let me go ask Dr. Hammond if he's okay with me giving you that discount or that courtesy discount. Now it's on me, right? And I don't, I don't wanna be put in that position because I'm gonna say yes, but I want my team members to look like and feel like that they can make decisions and, and act like owners in the practice. I do profit share. That's a whole nother lecture. It's based on this break-even point or BAM or what some people call bare-ass minimum. Basically, my team is well aware and they know at what collection point they start bonusing. So they follow collections and they all work together and they start celebrating when we cross over the point at which they start uh, uh, profit sharing. I distribute it every month. Um, 
name on it so that they don't have to ask for a company card or they can run errands or do deliveries or buy a patient dinner or any kind of a marketing effort, they have the ability to do that. And we also work together in developing the calendar. That's a whole nother lecture also. And I've also given all of my team members, including my assistants, everybody has their own personalized business card with my logo on it, but it has their name and their job title. And they use them all the time to pass out as marketing opportunities and also to patients. So there you go. Let's get questions in a minute, but let's just review what we talked about. Find your own mentors. Please don't be a CE junkie. Uh, learn photography. It's an awesome skill that will take you guys to the next level. Take time to do stuff. Follow the 80-20 rule. Copy genius. Don't create mediocrity is a good way to play to win. I think you guys doing that and being a part of the Young Dentist uh, program and Crown Council is a fantastic way to do that, to find what people are doing and copy. That's the easiest way to be successful is just to copy other people instead of inventing average ideas on our own, which is what we're all going to do if we're left to ourselves. And then treat your team like owners. Mm. There you go. Nice, Chris. <laughs> Hope I didn't run too long, but I'm happy to entertain as many questions as we want or to stay on as long as you want. Yeah, I'll ask them or maybe, um, Amber, do you want to just jump in and ask yourself your question? Um, yeah, sure. Um, so I know everyone is adjusting to um, being closed for some time and we always try mm -hmm. to keep our, our patients with the hygienist they normally see. Um, yeah. I know that everyone is probably going to be shuffling somewhat when this is all yeah, over. Yeah, you think? Totally. Did I lose the question? Amber? I think... Maybe Amber. the question was going to be, what are you going to do if you can't keep them with the same hygienist? Yeah, she, she says, we're curious about how to handle having lots of overdue patients when it's over. So that's a good question. So how we handle that in my office, and I handle it even without the backlog that we're all gonna have here when we're done with what we're dealing with right now. I even handle this on a normal basis. If a, if a patient needs to be to get in and I can't get them in with their existing hygienist, their, their, um, the hygienist they see all the time, we still see them, but we acknowledge that that is a temporary relationship and that the hygienist is actually um, like a substitute hygienist temporarily. And with good clinical notes and um, a consistent hygiene program and consistent systems in your office, the care is not gonna be the same, it's just the person's gonna be different. No, oh, you're good. Did that help? Yes, thank you. Okay. Nice. Okay, Chris, uh, Andrew Henderson had a question. Do you want to ask it, Andrew, or do you want me to do it? You can just Andrew, you know the answers to these questions. Why are you asking? <laughs> <laughs> um, my question was, what do you, your advice do you have for us um, trying to get in our first few cosmetic cases when we don't really have that portfolio and the photos and all that stuff to show patients? Yeah, so... The good thing is, is once you learn photography, you're going to find out that out of one case that you love and that you're ready to show people, you can capture so many different views and different looks of that exact same case that you can, you can get a lot of mileage out of one case. 
So, I mean, I watch dentists all day long that are very popular on Instagram, repost cases all the time, but they'll post like the lateral view or an occlusal view or a portrait if they're posting portraits or a view of central. So you can get a lot of mileage out of one case. So my goal would be, or my recommendation would be, um, start that way. Take enough photos of good quality photos of even one or two or three cases that you can, you can reuse the photos. And plus, it doesn't matter. You can repost stuff after, after a while. That, that's, that's not a big deal. Even I do that. I'll go back and revisit a case out of my archives all the time. So, um, but start now. Start taking photographs now so that you will build your library. But take pictures of stuff like whitening. Um, closing a small diastema, um, recontouring. Um, on my page, on my highlights, we videoed laser recontouring and we posted that. There's so much that we do every day that is interesting to people. Sweet. Thank you. Yep. Good to hear from you, Andrew. I'm going to the cabin next week. Nice. Have fun. Okay, Chris. What's next? Uh, well, uh, I think it'd be worth it to share your slide deck. So I'm just going to see if I can grab it from you so we can just share all these slides. So everyone that's trying Let's to write do it frantically. All yeah, don't write down. I'll share. Okay. That's what this is about. I, I would love to just, we can either print them out or whatever, Stuart. So yeah. Um, later this weekend, you just tell me how to do it and we'll do it whatever way you want. We, I'll, I'll do that. Okay. Um, cause Cherish is asking about how you make your dental office smell good. She wants to know all those secrets, um, with what you use. Yeah. I use, I use, um, a company called Moji Life that a little Bluetooth fragrance, um, little canisters or little devices that we spread around the office. They're very inexpensive. They're operated, you can program it with your phone and they're very cheap to load. And I will actually, if you want to email me, I will put you in touch with the woman that I buy them from. And she will give you, because I don't really know, she will give you the list of fragrances that we use, like Oregon Coast, I know is one of them. And it's just fragrances that we, we don't want to use candles in our office for obvious reasons. And I don't want to, I, I want to use something that smells more like a department store. So. I truly believe that half the reason why my wife walks into a Nordstrom is because she loves the way that it smells. So that's another great habit that we've tried to copy from, from other industries and just having your office not smell like fluoride, the autoclave, uh, a burning tooth and stuff like that is a task. And the best way that we found is with these little products from a company called Moji Life. Chris, M -O -G -I. remind me your email address, Chris. M-O-J-I, I think. M-O-J-I. D-R-Chris-Hammond at gmail.com. Cherish, you, you unmuted yourself there for a sec. Did you want to add? Did you want to ask something? One of these little canisters on the Moji Life system will last like a week. And they're like $5 or less than $5. They're just, I mean, they're, it's awesome. They're awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Yep. Her name is Adrian, so if you email me, I'll send you Adrian's cell phone number. Oh, perfect. Appreciate it. Yep. Okay, that's all the, right type, all the type questions. Does anybody have uh, more questions? Just speak up. 
Dr. Hammond? Yes. Just out of curiosity, um, what did you find that when you started out, maybe you were taking a lot of insurances and are you now doing more fee for service or are you still doing a lot of insurances? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I'm not a, um, I don't, not a provider for any insurance company. So we do accept assignment for bene, uh, benefits. So um, if there's a plan in my area where, that allows patients to go out and network, we help them with their claims. Um, I've never been a provider. I started that way and I inherited that from my dad, but I have talked to a lot of people that, um, that are, and that either are, have found plans that work for their practice. So you don't have to be fee for service to do a lot of the things we're talking about. And I know that you, you don't have to be bound to a fee schedule to do some of the smiles that we talk about. In fact, when you come to our programs, we can talk to you about a little bit about that. The main key though, if you get to a point to where you want to get off plans, would be to talk to, to TOPS and to work with those guys and those practice advisors at TOPS on how to do that. I don't know how to do it because I've never had to do it. But I know that even if you're in that situation right now, if you're, if you're a provider and you don't want to be, that you should be model building and setting goals out one year, five years, 20 years in reverse though, right? So so that you can uh, you can chip away at that process of of getting off those plans and developing the practice that you want. So I I always joke and say the best thing about um, this whole Obamacare discussion a few years ago, regardless of how you feel about socialized medicine or, but it opened up the discussion where people are way more critical of insurance than they used to be. So I believe the environment right now is ripe for people to be critical about insurance and patients already know that insurance is not gonna be there for them and that they're not their advocate. So it's a pretty good environment right now and it has been for a while for you to be insurance independent, at least uh, not be contracted. But I know a lot of people do what I do every day and they're still on some contracts, so I'm not saying it can't be done. Awesome, thanks. Go ahead, Nick, do you have a question? Yeah. Um, who answers your phones? It's a good question. So I have in my office uh, a business room where I have two people full time and they're, they do all the stuff that your guys' front desk do. They answer phones, they return emails, they do my marketing, they, they'll walk out and greet patients out to the front part of the office. So I still have an entire business system and a business department still going on in my office. I just don't put it in a position where patients get to hear all the discussions and feel like that they're, they're right there, um, you know, in full view of the front desk. I have a desk, it's just not in the reception room. Got it, thank you. Yep. So that's, I have three business team members. I have one that's dedicated to finances and managing insurance claims, and I have two more that do new patient flow, phone calls, confirming, hygiene schedule and stuff like that. So that, and it just happens in a, in a room that's easily accessible to the front reception area. Um, in, I mean, it's literally just right there, but I just have a wall in, fr in, in the place where you guys would normally have a window or a desk. And then my water wall makes it loud enough, is just loud enough where they can't hear any conversations or any office stuff going on. They just, all patients here is the water wall and my music. Dr. Hammond, are yeah. you 
are you the one planning out each of your team days and are you doing that like a month or two out or do you have a team member that kind of helps plan that yeah so good question i do take turns and i'll put my hygiene team in charge of one day to revisit whatever they feel like and in discussion with me what might be good to visit as far as our hygiene program goes but keep in mind a lot of these ideas are either developed by our entire team together if we're like if we're doing the activity i talked about where we're trying to invent a practice that would put us out of business a lot of these things we list and we will plan team days out in advance as a team so when we're calendaring our schedule those guys know what we're doing on that particular team day in advance at least a couple of team days in advance so and there are times you know where we'll say okay we're going to meet for two hours inside the office and then we're going to go zip lining where we we will kind of escape once in a while and we'll go do something in the mountains or a waterfall hike or something to get away so some of these camping experiences we talked about in crown council also happen on those thursdays we go to lunch together a lot on those thursdays or if we're really heavily involved in book work that day and and goal setting and calendaring and things we'll have lunch brought in sometimes but so I, I believe I answered your question. Sometimes they're planned by me, sometimes they plan them, and sometimes we plan them. It's just, it just it depends. And I think once you start doing it, you'll find that filling team days is easy. And even that one activity of designing a practice that you want to be like in five years, um, that one activity will give you a list of 100 things that you could work on on your team days. Thank you. You bet. Okay, anybody I'm else? Random. Thanks, Chris. Well, thank you, everybody. You bet. That was fun. That went by fast. You know. I love to talk about this stuff, and I am so passionate about developing your own practice. And you guys should remember it's about the journey, it's not about having it tomorrow it's about being different each day and each week and each month so you're on a path that's fun at each level thanks chris yep so a few things that i'll follow up with um one is i'll make sure to get you guys the cheat sheets for photography uh the photography release form and then a copy of a pdf of all the slide deck here yeah let's um, do it. another thing that chris talked about that i would i would really encourage everyone to do is um, now's a great time to start working on getting your qualified membership for Crown Council so we can recognize you at the annual event. Uh, it's a great, it's a, it's a checklist that we've developed over the last 25 years that we, we feel that if a, a practice is working on these eight things, uh, they're working towards being uh, a practice like, like Dr. Hammond's practice. So it's a, it, it would be our qualified member checklist. Uh, I've had a, a bunch of questions about our summer schedule with our patients. Uh, I think it's just too early to make a, an announcement as to what we'll do. We, we've explored some live video options, uh, you know, so for the lectures of David, if, if for some reason you can't travel or um, travel is still super weird, we'll figure out, um, we'll, we'll figure it out what we'll do with um, at the end of May. So I, I don't want anybody to worry yet um, what's going to happen there. but. Um, I'll, fo I'll follow up with an email to everybody about uh, tonight with the link to the video recorded and then those other links that I that I shared. So uh, any, anything else, any other questions or anything we can hit?
Cool. Thank you, Dr. Thanks, Hammond. you guys. Hey, you, now you know, now you guys know why I drive 45 minutes to see the dentist. <laughs> He's the best. Thanks, so, Dr. Hammond. Thanks, everybody. You're welcome. Thanks, you guys.